Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to this, another episode of the Talking Blues Podcast. I am Josh, and I am joined by both my co-hosts today, Alex and Peter. And you know what? I'm going to start this off by moving my mic a little bit. Okay, there we go. Um, let's get this one going here by talking about Chelsea and Erling Holland. We heard that yesterday. I got a phone call from Peter now. Apparently, he's uh, you know, Fabrizio Romano, and he called to inform me that Chelsea and Erling Haaland share mutual interest. Obviously, this has to make sense if Dortmund uh, and Chelsea agree to terms, but Haaland is interested in coming here, which is very different than what we heard throughout the season when Erling Haaland was mentioned as a striker. There were like four top teams that were looking for him. I know, um, I can't even think, was Manchester United one of them? Uh, Liverpool was probably one of them. Go ahead, Alex. I think are you, were you about to say? I, I mean, most most big clubs in Europe were after him. It's mainly who could afford him. I think that was PSG, Real Madrid, maybe Barcelona. Uh, probably not Barcelona, actually. But, you know, they definitely had interest in him. And ma- mainly all the big clubs, Man City, definitely had interest in him. But I think now they're shifting their interest towards Harry Kane, realizing that the battle for Holland will probably be uh, a little bit too steep and not worth it for them. So who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, those are kind of the teams that were going for it. So then you have Erling Holland now, even though it didn't seem like in the season, anything can happen right now. Uh, you know, during the off season or the summer at, at this point, uh, and hopefully, let I mean, I know Peter is a little more excited than Alex and I are when it comes to Erling Holland. Obviously, we would love to have him on the team. It all depends on the money. I think that if it's uh, you know over two hundred um, and it's enough like where it's too much that we can't sign any other player throughout this transfer window then I don't want to do it um if they're if we're able to sign one or two more guys in you know including Holland in the deal um or not in the deal but if you understand what I'm saying if it's enough where we still have some money left over to spend uh, on other pieces I think that would really be helpful if not then I don't know we'll have to see I mean Peter what are your thoughts on it I mean you said my thoughts on it, basically. I am very excited about him. Obviously, I think he would be a great signing. But then again, 
if he does cost that 200 million upwards of that, then is he really worth it instead of getting someone like Lukaku for 100 million and a center back for 60 million and a CDM for 30 million instead of just one player in Erling Haaland? That's when it's questionable. But if it dep- really, it all depends on how much does Roman want him, right? Because if Roman wants him, he will give two goal, 200 million to spend on him. And then we can use the Champions League money that we got, the Premier League money we got to spend on other players too. It's a, it's a question of how much Roman wants to invest to make this deal happen. Or if you would rather say, I'll give you some, but not enough for this. And you can sign Lukaku. You could sign just ideas, not necessarily going to happen. You could sign Harry Kane, Lewandowski, some of these type of players. Obviously, Holland and Lukaku are realistically the only targets. And I think I would rather have Lukaku and like two play a player worth 60 million and a player worth 30 million than just Holland for like 150 to 200 million. But if we can get him for like 120, 130, I think we do that if Roman is willing to invest that money because he's already one of the best players in the world. He's still very, very young and he's basically what we need. We need someone who can just score goals. And we he's also it's so much more than just a goal-scoring machine. He's as good physically. He's very fast. He's good technically. He's everything you would want. And I'm glad that there is mutual interest because that was the only real factor that we, you would say, well, Chelsea really might not be in the race because he doesn't want to go there. But if he is interested, I think it's just down to Roman now. And hopefully we sign him for a good price or we don't. And I'd be completely fine if we don't sign him as long as we get other players like Declan Rice and, I don't know, some center back. Because that's supposedly what Juku wants as well as a striker. And I guess let's go to our next point, And that is the one time I think, I don't think we've been not Chelsea related like at all throughout this podcast. So we're going to be selfish Americans for just two minutes of your time. Okay, so hold on to that for one second. But before I do that, Alex has something to say. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about Holland real quick before we uh, move on. I think when I was looking at some of the rumors and some of what people are saying, I think the fee this summer would be around $150 million, uh, altogether, whether that includes another player in the package. Uh, maybe you see someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi going over there to reduce the price. Maybe you do. But I think you're looking in that $150 million worth of assets region uh, if you're looking at Holland this summer, if you're looking next summer, obviously has that release clause uh, for 75 million, uh, which I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams interested in, in him next year uh, as he gets cheaper and cheaper. Um, so I think if you wanted him, it'd have to be this summer. Would he? Would Would Abramovich be willing to spend 150 million and then another 50 million or 60 million on Declan Rice and then maybe another? you know, 30 million on, you know, a center back, who knows? I'm not really sure if he would. I think if you're looking, if you're looking to bring in Holland, I think you're looking instead of Declan Rice, you're looking at someone like Julian Weigel from Benfica, who Tuchel is known to really like, had him at Dortmund. He probably costs in the 25 million to 30 million range. uh, and, And then you're probably looking at a center back. Maybe you're bringing back one of the center backs we have on loan. You're probably not spending the big money, uh, that we would, you know, expect and for a right wing back, you're probably looking at another option as well, not someone super expensive either. So, you know, that that's definitely what you're looking at with Holland. Harry Kane's probably more closer to a hundred million. I think he'll still be up there, but definitely closer to a hundred. Lukaku, I think, is kind of gonna be a difficult one, but he would also be around a hundred million. 
And I think if Chelsea were to bid 100 million, 110 million, Inter would have no choice but to accept it because of their financial situation. So who knows? But I'm not sure Lukaku even wants to come back here. So I think Harry Kane is probably the best option value for money. But Holland, I mean, obviously has the highest upside here. And, you know, you never know what he's going to be like. He could get, you know, not get much better and still be a very good striker, obviously, like he is right now. Hopefully he doesn't have the Bundesliga to Premier League curse like a lot of the players that we've seen recently have had. But, uh, yeah, I- I'm excited to see what how this develops. I think if you can do $100 million or so and then add a couple of, you know, the Deadwood players, send them to Dortmund, then I think you're actually making a pretty good deal. I agree, Alex. Like some names, like you said, Kalamuts and Adore, Tammy Abraham, these players that could reduce the price 50 or 60 million. So instead of paying just a flat out fee of 150 million, you're maybe paying 80 million, Tammy Abraham, and I don't know who else Dortmund want. I don't think you would throw in Tammy Abraham and Kalamuts and Adore, but maybe like 90 million and Tammy Abraham and like a and something. I don't know. And like, an option to pay 20 million more if we win the Champions League next year or something instead of just flat at 150 million, which, like you said, is a much better deal because we're not going to use Tammy Abraham. Tugu apparently hates him for some reason. He's got like five minutes of playtime the entire time Tugu was here this season. But so if we can throw him in there, reduce the price by from 150 to like 110, I think that's you do that in an instant if Haaland is willing to join. So this is something to monitor, right? But I don't want to get my hopes up because I know we're not going to sign him and I'm going to be sad when he inevitably goes to like a Man City next summer, a Man United next summer. But you never know. It could happen. Roman is, has shown he's willing to spend a lot of money to sign big players. So who knows? We'll see. And on to now what I was going to go off of. Um, and that was, uh, I guess this is sort of Chelsea related at this point. Um, but it is what it is. We'll go on to it anyway. The United States, they win against Mexico, an actual big rivalry. Um, yes, I know you people who are not American won't know this, but USA-Mexico is a big rivalry when it comes to international soccer. Uh, and the Nations League, the U.S. won that. They won the final against Mexico. We have Zach Steffen getting injured um, and actually getting subbed out. So for Man City fans who are you know, a little worried about that. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not going to say anything too bad about, um, about, um, oh my God, I, I just forgot his name, Zach Steffen, because, you know, obviously he's backing up for Ederson. But yeah, the US won and Christian Pulisic, this is where it comes into um, Chelsea related. Christian Pulisic scored the winning goal on a penalty in the 114th minute as it went into extra time at 2 2. Giorano, Reston McKinney. Uh, and Christian Pulisic, probably the three best players, to be honest, on the USA soccer team, score, and they win it 3-2. Um, if you guys have anything to say with that, you can say it now, but I, if not, then we can just go on to the Euro preview. Yeah, you know, it was, it was good to see the United States come together and actually beat Mexico. We basically never beat Mexico, and the way we were able to do it in extra time, uh, and, you know, obviously with Zach Steffen going out, uh, Hort, Hob- Horvath coming in. I don't even know who he is, but he was tremendous when he came in uh, in replacement of Zach Steffen. And obviously he saved the penalty at the end from Guardado. And it was just nice to see the U.S. playing some some decent football. Um, Not the best, but we still got the win and that's all that matters. And it was nice to see, you know, this first the first time this young generation of uh, Americans 
lift a trophy. Uh, and, and it was good to see. And I was very happy. And Pulisic really capping off the performance. And, uh, you know, Captain America really shined again. So I'm just really happy for him and happy for all, you know, these younger American players who are coming through finally. And, you know, starting to see a team that's actually competitive or, or could be competitive on the world stage. I will add one thing to this that is Chelsea related. Kepa for Ethan Horvath, straight up, who says no? Um, I say maybe. But the thing is, Kepa actually played well in the FA Cup this year, so I don't know if I want to make that deal, Peter. I don't. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that will work out. But you know what? It is what it is, and it was really good. He played really well in that game. I think Pulisic really didn't do anything though, uh, on the wing. He he looks for some reason. Uh, I feel like he's just not as like dynamic of a player with the U.S. I don't know if he what's going on when he wears that United States jersey. He's just not the same player that we see him on with Chelsea. That could also be because you know the USA players aren't the best, so they don't make him look good. But he just doesn't look good on the wing. It, it's I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, what this episode's really about is Chelsea. Um, and the Euros. Obviously, we are going into the Euros. That's a really big thing. Um, Alex has some news on what Chelsea players are on which team heading into the Euros, though, and most of them will probably play. And um, But yeah, so we're going to be predicting the group stage of the Euros, and then obviously once the knockout stage come, comes into play in a few weeks, then we'll be able to predict that as well. But that'll come at a later date. Alex, Let's hear what Chelsea players are on each team heading into the Euros, uh, 2020 Euros, but, you know, happening in the summer of 2021. All right, so we're going to go group by group. Uh, group A for Italy, obviously Emerson and Jorginho will be the two players uh, on international duty there going to the Euros with Italy. You'll probably see Jorginho have a slightly bigger role than Emerson, I'd assume. I don't really know uh, Italy's situation there. For Wales, Ethan Ampadu. Uh, we'll be going there. Obviously, Aloni of Chelsea didn't play with us last season, but we'll be coming back, and he will be playing for Wales in the summer. Group B for Belgium, Michy Bashuai, again, another player who is out on loan. He will be on international duty in Group B with Belgium. And Denmark uh, will have Andreas Christensen, who vastly improved this past year, so it'll be good to see how he does in the Euros as well. No players in Group C. Group D, though, uh, for Croatia, Mateo Kovacic will be uh, playing for them and uh, for England, which this is our most uh, most players for a single team tied uh, with France and Germany, who we'll get to later. But England, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Mason Mount will all be participating there uh, for England and for Scotland. Also in Group D, Billy Gilmore uh, will be there as well. Group E, Spain, uh, Aspi will be suiting up for Spain in Group E. That's the only player we have in Group E, I believe. Yes, it's just Aspi, and he will be with Spain. Group F, finally, France, Kurt Zuma, N'Golo Kante, and Olivier Giroud will all be on that France squad. And for Germany, Antonio Rudiger, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner uh, will all be there uh, for Germany as well in that very anticipated Group F uh, for this upcoming Euros. So, Alex, thank you for that, giving us the update on what Chelsea players, and that's pretty good. Uh, we have basically players in all, if not most, of the group stages going into this Euros, and I'm really excited. Um, obviously, we don't get these every year, so it's exciting that we'll be able to do it after, or have it, you know, being held after not so good of a summer last year, and we all know what was happening there, but we're getting to the other side of that, especially here in the U.S., um, you know, with the mass stuff and COVID and all that. So 
It's really exciting stuff, and we'll be able to finally watch the Euros after a year of waiting. Um, and 70, 17, I was about to say 70 players, <laughs> 17 players uh, in total in the Euros from Chelsea. So, um, yeah, so really cool about that. Obviously, aren't not all of those are on the main squad, but like Alex said, a few on loan, whatever it is. Let's go to our predictions, shall we? Group A, I'm going to start out with our first place team, and I'm going to go with Italy. I think that's pretty obvious there. And next up on the list, and I was debating between Wales and Switzerland, I'm going to go Wales. Now, you could 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 see otherwise, maybe Switzerland. I, I think Wales goes with an upset. I think they get second here. Then third, Switzerland. Then fourth, Turkey. I think they're sleeping on Turkey, man. I don't think they'll get first. I don't think that I don't think that will happen. I think Italy is just a pretty I well, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy, but this is simple path for them to get first in this group. I don't think Wales and Switzerland will pose too much of a threat threat. But Turkey at least has the past few international breaks qualifiers have been playing extremely, extremely well. And I think they're kinda of getting slept on. I think they will get second in this group. That very much could come back to haunt me, but it. I think it, it's starting to become more of a popular opinion that they're getting. They might get second over Switzerland and Wales because I think they have a very talented team. They have a lot of talented players, whereas Switzerland and Wales. Switzerland has what? Granit Xhaka, Shakiri, Mbolo. I can name like three players it, because for I play Wales? FIFA. For, <laughs> for Wales? Switzerland. Oh, for Switzerland. <laughs> I'm just trying to name as many players. Where Turkey, they have uh, Yomaz. They obviously have Yakizi. They have a lot of talented players. Yomaz has been playing extremely well. I'm going on way too much about just this one group. So Italy, number one. Turkey, number two. Switzerland, three. Wales, four. Unfortunately, I think we're not going to see much of Ethan and Padu at all. Though we might start. I don't know many Wales defenders. It's possible he could get a start. But I, I, I don't think we'll probably see any of him. I think Jorginho will see a lot of an Emerson. I'd say he might start one or two games. Yeah, so for me, Group A, I think Italy are definitely the favorites, like you said, to finish first, and that's where I have them. I think they're they're always a slept-on team, and they're definitely a tough team to beat. Two, I have Turkey. Uh, uh, you know, like you said, Yilmaz was tearing it up in Ligue 1, and I think he'll, you know, transfer that over to the national team. Three, I'm going to have Switzerland. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Switzerland is number two. I'll tell you something. Maybe Shakiri doesn't always perform for Liverpool, but when he's in that Swiss national team shirt, my God, he scores some crazy goals. So I, I never put that past them, and they definitely have quite a few solid players there. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try to name them because I'm going to just say the same players as Peter, but they, I definitely know they're, they've been solid, and they did beat the U.S., not that that's saying much, in a friendly as well. And fourth, I have Wales. I think Gareth Bale obviously is going to be – I think he'll be – solid for them. I'm not sure, you know, he's not the same player anymore. And really besides that, they don't have a lot of firepower. So I'm going to go Wales fourth there. And I'm just going to slide right on over to group B. Uh, And group B is an interesting one. I think for first place, I think Belgium here, I think this is the easiest group. Uh, Maybe group C is a little bit easier, uh, but I think this is the easiest group here. Belgium, I think will finish first without any issues. I think two don't sleep on Denmark. They've definitely got some quality. I think Christian Eriksen definitely will be good for them. Here, I think three will be Russia. They're never an easy team to face. And Finland, I think, will come fourth because, let me just be honest, I really don't know any Finnish players 
Uh, and I do know at least a couple Russian players, and they are always a tough team to play, especially like in the World Cup and things like that. So I'm not going to put them in last. I'll put Finland in last. If I said Italy had a simple path to getting first in this group, I believe Belgium have an easy, even easier path, an even simpler path to get first in this group. They have too much talent compared to the other teams in this group. I think they'll get first. I think I, I'm deciding between Russia and Denmark. I, I have Russia in second, but I definitely would not be surprised if Denmark uh, pulled something out. But Russia, obviously, they did very, very well at their home World Cup. That's the most recent time I can think of them performing well. They played well there. Uh, to be honest, I haven't watched or heard of many players on any of these teams. I think the only player on Russia I know is, uh, I think its name is Sheryshev. I think he scored a banger in the World Cup. But I think Russia, compared to Denmark and Finland, I still think Russia is better. I think Russia 2, uh, and then Denmark 3, just because they have Andreas Christensen, and then Finland 4. So, yeah, agree with both of you. Belgium 1, and then 2, I'm going to go Denmark. Uh, I think they could definitely be debating with you know Russia there. I have Russia 3, and then I have Finland 4. I'll jump over to Group C, which is probably the weakest out of all of the groups, right? I don't think anyone too crazy is coming out of this uh, group. So, Netherlands, I have them one. I have Ukraine two. I have Aust- uh, Austria three. And who is it? I think it's Alex has been joking about uh, North Macedonia. I have them fourth. North Macedonia is nothing to joke about, Josh. Uh, Goran Pandev is the best player in the world. Uh, no, obviously, that was a joke. But he did basically uh, single-handedly give North Macedonia placement into the Euros. I don't think they will do well. I think they will get last. But I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled off. I mean, if there was a group where they could somehow get third or second, this would be the group. Austria and Ukraine are not the most talented teams. I think if there is a somehow a miracle that could happen, that North Macedonia could end up going to the knockouts, it would be this group. I don't think it'll happen. I have them in last, but who knows? I think Netherlands got lucky in this draw, and I think this is the easiest, easiest. It's gotten steadily easier as we've gone from A to B to C. I think Netherlands will get first, and I think I honestly have no idea between Austria and Ukraine. I'm going off of players I can remember from FIFA, and that's totally a great way to determine who will win. Uh, I think David Alaba plays for Austria, so that's a very solid player. Uh, I think uh, Zinchenko is Ukrainian. Uh, obviously, he's pretty solid. Those are pretty much the only two players I know. So I'll go Austria 2, because David Alaba, I think, is better than Zinchenko. <laughs> Ukraine 3, Macedonia 4, uh, Netherlands winning it. So for me, I'm going to have Netherlands finishing top of the group. Then I'll have Austria uh, and then, so Ukraine, I, I know you guys have them third, I believe, but they're just historically terrible in international competitions. Last Euros, they finished with zero points. I remember that quite clearly. So I'm going to have them being absolutely terrible again and finishing fourth. And I'm going to have North Macedonia being a bit of a surprise and coming in third uh, in Group C. Group D, uh, I'm going to have England finishing top. Croatia finishing second. I think those two are interchangeable because I think people are going to sleep on Croatia. Obviously made it all the way to the World Cup final. I think they're a solid team. A lot of their players are getting older. I will say that. So they might struggle a bit. Um, And then third, I have the Czech Republic. And fourth, I will have Scotland. Uh, Hopefully Billy Gilmore plays a lot for them, but I don't think it's going to matter either way because I think they're finishing dead last. 
I'm a little different when it comes to that. I have Scotland in third. Besides that, everything's the same. England, Croatia, uh, and then the Czech Republic, I have fourth. I think uh, you're sleeping on Scotland a little bit, Alex. They have Dykes. I know they have Robertson, Shea Adams as well. Obviously, like you said, um, they have Billy Gilmore. I know they have Tierney as well from uh, Arsenal. So, you know what? Let let me see who uh, the Czech Republic have. Like, because I don't really know about anything. Maybe Peter will know from his FIFA knowledge that he talks about here when debating these teams. Go ahead, Peter. I thought you were gonna stall. I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to look it up. <laughs> I needed you to stall along here. I have no idea who plays for the Czech Republic. It's probably exclusively from the Czech league. And I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea who's in the Czech league. Uh, so I'm gonna put them last. Because based on my FIFA knowledge, you know, my player knowledge, like Josh said, uh, you kind of you kind of need to base it off that, right? You have Robertson, Tierney, Billy Gilmore, obviously, Che Adams. Uh, I, but I don't think they can be Croatia or England. Uh, maybe Billy, uh, Billy Gilmore drops a master class. Probably not. Oh, Alex. Alex pulling out some names here. Uh, Czech Republic, do you have Sushek, Kufal, Vlaklic? I totally got that one right. And Kalas. Kufal is very solid. Sushek is also very solid. Can't say I know the other two. And I think I have to stick with my how I've been how I've been deciding these, and that's based on my player knowledge. And I think I think uh, Scotland just has more players that I know. So I'll go Scotland third, Czech Republic fourth. I think England will win this group, but England are bottlers. So who knows? They might get second and Croatia gets uh, second. England first. Yeah. England first, Croatia second, third is Scotland. And then last is the Czech Republic. Maybe Suchek scores like in like 10 straight games like he did in the Prem and they get third. I don't think they'll get second or first though. All right, and I guess we're moving on here to Group E. Another weak group or a weaker group. Uh, So we got Spain. Uh, I have them in first place. I think second will be Poland. And third, I'm going to go Slovakia. I'm going to go a little bit different here. I know Sweden have quite a few quality players, but once again, historically their national team has been very bad in these competitions. So I am going to have them in fourth. Uh, and I'm going to have Slovakia kind of being a bit of a surprise there in third. Okay, so I'll go on to my group E now, and that's going to be Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Yes, you heard it here first. I, I don't like to mess around. I go straight through. Come on, you have to, you have to, you have to talk about it. all the players you know on every team, man. Come on, you got to got to get with the program. Uh, like Alex said, uh, this is... Probably one of the weaker groups. I think Spain pulled this one out easily. Uh, based on player knowledge, obviously Poland do have Lewandowski, who could quite likely carry them. But Sweden do have, I believe Zlatan has been called up, but he might have gotten suspended from his gambling involvements. So he might not actually be playing. I'm not actually sure. If Zlatan is playing, I'm going to put Sweden too. Uh, I think Kuleshevsky, another player from Sweden, is very solid. Uh can I name any other ones? Don't think so. Okay. But that's two to one. So even though Lewandowski is probably the best striker in the world right now, if he doesn't have anybody to give him the ball, uh, it's much harder to score. Uh, but Slovakia, 
I think, ooh, Slovakia can actually, uh, Hamšič, I believe, actually does play for them, as well as uh, Skriniar, I think, also does. But I do think, I think it's going to be Spain, Sweden, Poland, Slovakia. Honestly, the, the three bottom teams here, it, it could go and they could, you could shuffle, you pick, draws, draws, pick a random number and that might be. What I'm trying to say is if I can actually get words out is that they can, there's no definite order. I think it's going to be, there's no way you, they're all pretty even. There we go. They're all pretty even, so the order can be messed up. But my order: Spain, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. All and right, then, and go. Oh, oh, here we go. What, what's going on here, Alex? You taking my <laughs> role? You've like transitioned to five groups. What are you doing? Group F. All right. The hardest group, and the one that I'm transitioning to. Here we go. Group F: France, number one. I come on. You can't get. You can't not put the World Cup winners at number one, no matter. I think what this. Uh, you know, what, whoever they're facing in the group, maybe England, but whatever. Okay. France goes one. Germany goes two. I have Germany over Poland. They have a really good squ- Germany over Poland. I think Germany would always be over Poland. Germany over Portugal. Um, and then Portugal three, Hungary four. And then we'll get to our third place qualifiers last. I think, like you said, this is the probably most anticipated group, the hardest group. It has the best teams. Even Hungary is pretty solid. They also uh, obviously have uh, Slobaza, almost got there. They have the young, talented uh, winger slash mid from Leipzig. Um, he's very solid. They also have uh, Gulashki in goal. He's also very solid. But compared to the other teams here, I don't think there's any chance Hungary doesn't get last. And like Josh said, I think you have to put the World Cup winners first. I mean... The talent they have is unreal. Mbappe, Griezmann, Coman, Conte, uh, Longclay, Loris, uh, Conte again because he basically counts as two players. Pogba, uh, you could name literally like two teams and they could still get first place in any of these groups. Uh, so I think France definitely gets first. And um, Germany, Portugal, I think it's very even. Portugal obviously have Ronaldo, they have Bruno Fernandes, they have Ruben Diaz, they have a lot of very good players. Germany also have a lot of very good players. They have Gnabry, Havertz, Werner, Muller, Hummels. The teams in this group just have so much talent, but I think I'm going to go France 1 and Germany 2 solely because of the Chelsea players they have, then Portugal 3, and Hungary last. All right, for me, I'm going to have France finishing first. I think Portugal finishes two here. I think they got a lot of quality. And, you know, from back to front there, you know, you think of Ronaldo and you think of Portugal, but like you like Peter mentioned, they have a lot of quality players. Third, I have Germany. They're just kind of in a little bit of disarray. Yes, they won uh, yesterday, I believe now, but, you know, doesn't really say anything and Hungary I think will finish last even though if they were in one of these weaker groups I think they would probably be finishing second but they're unlucky in where they are uh and Josh do you want to go to the the fourth third third place teams I mean I'll just do mine um so for me the four third the four best third place teams I have I'm gonna have Switzerland the Czech Republic Slovakia and Germany and the two that are going to miss out are Russia and North Macedonia. Okay, I guess I will go next. All right, so I'm going to have Russia, Portugal, Scotland, and Turkey. Um, and 
Alex, I thought we're not supposed to talk about who we have going past because it's aren't they all going to the round of 16? Oh, you're talking about the, the nope, that was my fault. You're talking about the uh, third place teams that are not going through. I just cleared that up in my own head. Alex, I know you're about to respond. I'm sorry. I mean to, but I, I figured it out. I caught on. There we go. Uh, Peter, go ahead. For me, I think Portugal or pretty much whoever gets third place in Group F has to be there, but that's kind of sketchy because they might share too many points that they might not even make it, right? Because it's based on the points from the game. So I think if they draw, if France, well, uh, Germany and Portugal is two and three, Germany and Portugal would draw both their games, both lose to France, but uh, both beat Hungary, then they might not even make it. But I think the chances are that Portugal will end up making it, or maybe Germany for you guys, whatever. Whoever gets third, even France might get third, whatever. Portugal will be one of them. I think Poland or Sweden or Slovakia, whichever one from that group, I have Poland and third. So I think they will be one of the four to advance. I think that Ukraine will be there. I think that's just because they have quite an easy group, I think. They can definitely take points off of Austria, definitely off of North Macedonia. Uh, I think they have a good shot just because of the group. And I think last one, last spot is decided is between the Czech Republic and uh, Switzerland. I think Switzerland have a chance because Wales are pretty shocking. no, Scotland, sorry. not I had Scotland third. Scotland and the Czech Republic because I... But I think Switzerland... Woo! Calm down. Get them out. Get the words out. Between Scotland and Switzerland as the final uh, option, I think... I think it'll be Switzerland because they have better chance of taking points off of Turkey than Scotland do off of Croatia. So I think the four teams that would go through would be Scotland, Ukraine... Poland and Portugal, which leaves Switzerland and Denmark as the teams that would get eliminated, as well as all the fourth place teams. When we go inevitably go over this, when we do the predictions for the group stage, I hopefully did not get them all wrong, even though I most likely will have. But, you know, maybe we can skip that episode, right, guys? Haha, <laughs> you know, if we all do bad, maybe, please. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I don't really know how to, how to go from there. No, Peter, we're not skipping that episode. We're we're gonna. I'm probably gonna get the most wrong anyway. I don't, I know the least about football out of the three of us. So it is what it is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talking Blues podcast. We recommend that you please subscribe or request request or me- recommend. Same thing. Not really at all. Okay, please subscribe. Drop a five star rating or review, whatever you want to do, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. If you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at JoshSolo29. Uh, you can follow Alex on Twitter at Anorian23. And that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Talking Blues podcast. So we'll see you next week for, you know, we'll be able to talk some Euros. And like I said, we do have stuff planned. So I don't know. Like, I don't want to give dates, but we'll probably look back at our uh, Premier League table from the beginning of the season. We'll see you next time on the Talking Blues podcast. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies. 
the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.